Hello and welcome to the Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, April 8th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that needs you to go vote in the ESPN poll for their season awards. Yes, vote for Couturier, vote for Vigneault. Please do that. The last I checked, Coots was way behind Patrice Bergeron for the Selkie voting, and I know it's just an online poll and it's not scientific at all, but... (laughs) I care about this in a ridiculously outsized manner. So please go vote. We will put a link to it in the show notes so you can get there. And it's on our Twitter feed as well. Locked on Flyers is available on all your favorite podcast apps, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you download podcasts, subscribe so you can get all of our episodes here on the Locked on Sports Network, your team every day. We're your hosts. I'm Rachel. And I'm Danielle. And today we have our weekly mailbag and then, of course, our Flyers fun thing at the end of the episode. So you can find that ESPN poll. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Flyers. Also, send us your questions for our weekly mailbag or just tell us what you're doing to pass the time during this hiatus. You can also email us your thoughts at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. So we talked a little bit earlier this week about the 2009-2010 season and that we're going to be taking a look at that a little bit in depth. So we have a couple of mailbag questions related to it. The first of which, Danielle, what was your favorite storyline or narrative from that season? Um, I think, well, I'm always a sucker for a good, like, coaching change. And then, like, the team just, like, flips it on or, like, finds their groove. So I think I'm going to say the the hiring of LaViolette uh, would probably be my favorite storyline of the season. Um, I, I think, yeah, that would be my favorite one. And then, of course, the the dramatic way they get into the playoffs. Both of those are really good. I think... Yeah, John Stevens, man. (laughs) Who is that guy? (laughs) Well, he has a long history. But that being said, I think, you know, the the Peter LaViolette era began a little shakily, actually. But uh, I think he, you know, that season, especially given how successful it turned out, uh, and overall, he just turned into really a beloved figure until he wasn't, right? Which is the yeah. case with all coaches. But I think that even now, like, people look back on him and really appreciate what he did for this team and knew that when he was fired, it was just time that, yeah, exactly. you know, the clock runs out on, on most coaches. So, uh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. So I'm going to dig a little deeper and be a little dumber about it, just because one of the weirdest things to happen that season was Ian LaPerriere getting hit in the face with a puck twice. (laughs) (laughs) And I know it's horrible. And in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter at all. But like, A, what are the odds? And B... It's just so, like, prototypically hockey for that to have happened to somebody and for them to just, like, come right back and play. Even after losing, like, I think he lost, like, seven teeth or something. But it's just so bizarre that that happened to him twice. 
Yeah, that is pretty bizarre. But I mean, that's one of the reasons why a lot of fans love Lappy is because he'll take a puck to the face for the team. Literally. Yeah, exactly. All right. So from that 2009-2010 season, which ex-Flyers player were you happiest and or least happiest to see win a Stanley Cup elsewhere? So I will say there is no ex-Flyer that I am unhappy to see win the Cup. Um, it's a little bittersweet, but the, the player I'm happiest for would have to be Mike Richards. I just, even though it's with L.A. and I don't really like L.A., I'm just happy for him. I loved him as a Flyer and I loved him as a captain and and so I was happy for him. I'm happy it worked out. I am too. I think Mike Richards is a very close second for me. It would have to be Simone Gagne. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I figured if you didn't pick Simone Gagne, I was going to be like, who is this? That's not Rachel. Who is who is talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, it was so bittersweet, I think, with all those ex-flyers on the Kings winning winning those cups <laughs> yeah. it like hurt very deeply but at, at the same time you know I was even like reluctantly happy for Jeff Carter I guess <laughs> but so if, I, <laughs> if I had to pick a least happy it would probably be Jeff Carter but which is I don't fair, know. Yeah. Which, but like you also you just don't want to be sad for anybody winning the Stanley Cup right yeah the only person I feel sad for is me. <laughs> it wasn't my team. So, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Leading out of that, who on that roster besides Claude Giroux do you still need or would have loved to have seen win a cup regardless of where? I feel like my answer is not surprising. Uh, it wouldn't be me if I didn't say Danny Briere. Like, it hurts me every day that he has not won a cup before he retired. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's heartbreaking, to be honest. <laughs> it's one player I would love to just turn back the time and get him to win a cup anywhere. I will take it anywhere, just as long as I can see him lifting the cup. That is always a good pick. I mean, Danny Briere... I mean, not only did he have an outstanding career, but he also, I think, became pretty beloved, right? Even, you know, regardless of, of where he he wound up. And I think it's still cool that he, you know, has stayed involved in, in the organization. And, you know, I, Buffalo has some claim to him, but I just feel like he's a flyer. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for us, he's definitely a flyer. I get why they would see him as a saber. He did wear the C there. But I just, I don't know. Like, he's just such a good person. He's such a fun player to watch on the ice. Like, I don't know. How do you, does anyone hate Danny Breer? Like, I, I just. There I are mean, a I, lot I, of people that do because they, you know, say he throws elbows and play dirty you know, and stuff. I, but. I don't know. Could you say that for a lot of players that are that other teams love? I feel like that's a very generic response. Like, to me, he's an angel. You, when you look at him, you wouldn't think he would be a hockey player because he is short and kind of small. <laughs> but he just breaks that mold. And he just, 
I love it. And I love this one quote he said where it was like, he was never, like, he never went out of his way to, like, hurt people or, like, hit people. It was like, when they messed with him, then he would give it to them back. Which, you know what, I think is fair. So, I don't know what those other teams were doing to him, but they shouldn't have done it if they didn't want him to act that way. So, what about you? So, I think it's Brian Boucher. Wow, okay, yeah. I think he's he's such, like, a workhorse goaltender and you know despite some inconsistencies like always just kind of did what he was asked to do and over the course of his career you know he got called up to fill in when situations were dire and you know did what he could wherever he was and you know he had you know a couple of stints with the Flyers and kind of went around the league a little bit. He did have um, a shutout streak, you know, when he played with the Yotes. And then, you know, I just kind of feel bad for how things wound up with him. But I've been so pleased with him as a broadcaster that that part of it makes me really happy that he's been so successful transitioning post-playing career. And I appreciate everything that he has to offer but just part of me wants him to have had that cup even though he did win a calder cup but you know not the same thing yeah that's a good one i definitely agree with you i think for me i yeah i i definitely agree with that and and to be honest like if you're not ron hextall carter hart birdie pra you're not really getting any love in philly for goaltending and i think that's a good choice like he did he was a workhorse he came up and did what he could um when he needed to and you know especially after everything that season got turned upside down goaltending wise <sighs> yeah that, you know I think we were lucky to have him at the time you know I think it's easier to look back on it and say that for sure but um <laughs> he's just in the moment yeah in the moment he could be a little frustrating but so so was Michael Layton, so who I think yeah, was a little yes. more frustrating. So I I just I appreciate you, Brian Boucher, and I can't wait to see you on our broadcasts even more. All right, shifting gears a little bit away from that team, who was your favorite defensive pairing this season, and which pairing? that we didn't see would you like to see more of and see how they might have worked out so okay my favorite defensive pairing obviously was the Sandheim and Myers pairing um and then a pairing I would want to see more of oh that's a hard one because there's actually a couple I would have loved to see um I would have loved to try to see uh, Ghost and Provy again, but I mean, obviously, I know why you wouldn't do that because then Ghost would be playing top pairing minutes. But I'd love to just see if that pairing could have recreated something. And then with that, I would have liked to see maybe a Sandheim uh, Niskanen pairing uh, just to see. But yeah, but definitely the Ghost and, and Proveroff. I, I could see that. You know, obviously, I think my favorite, obviously, Provi and Niskanen, just because they, they're they the top pairing. They have the most time on ice, so there's more evidence for them than any other yeah. 
pairing and you know the numbers bear it out for sure uh, in terms of you know offensive output and also defensive as well you know they, they have pretty solid numbers I mean not the best actually but uh, but pretty solid numbers and you know I, I think that they were a lot of fun to watch and I think it really helped both of them in their game this past year to be in a pairing together so you know I think you're right that you know that pairing and Sandheim Myers like you wouldn't want to break them up and and you know, we saw the most of those two pairings over the course of the season. Um, Provi Niskanen had about 950 minutes and at even strength, and uh, Sanheim Myers had a little over 550 minutes at even strength over the course of the season. So that's a huge jump down, first off. So you can see why Provi had all those minutes, but uh, Niskanen kept up with him, which was pretty cool. I think uh, one pairing that I'm a little intrigued by, when you said, is the Niskanen-Sanheim pairing. And they had really good numbers, but they only had about 100 minutes together over the course of this season. But their numbers were pretty good from an offensive perspective, less so from mm. a defensive perspective, that they had the second worst goals against per 60 of any pairing over 100 minutes yeah to that i would say 100 minutes is a small sample size (laughs) oh it is (laughs) it is and that's and that's why because their offensive numbers were so good i would want to see them more to see if that you know goals against would go down over time because i think it would yeah i mean yeah i think it, it would even out uh, definitely, especially with more time on seeing how they're getting deployed and um, what shifts they're taking. I think what intrigues me the most about that pairing is the fact that Niskanen would get second pair minutes, which I'm not knocking him at all. I just think with his age, it's really it'll be beneficial in the long term um, for the Flyers if he if he like reduces his uh, playing minutes. Um, so I would I would be really interested to see that, but. I mean, you need a like reliable top pair, and Provi and Niskanen were able to do that, so it's completely understandable why they were together. But yeah, from just like a like a pairing that we'd want to see, I think this this pairing is very intriguing. I think so too. Another one which is a little weird is Ghost and Robert Haig, because I think that they would be very good defensively, but I think the way we saw Haig grow over the course of the season in confidence in terms of, you know, occasionally jumping in offensively, but also being a pretty solid stay at home defenseman. I think the two of them together would be interesting to see how it would play out in the, in the long run. I mean, obviously not as a top pairing, but you know, as as that third pair, I think that could be interesting. I don't know. That makes me a little nervous, but uh, yeah. You know, I for mean, science. For science. Yeah, yeah. Listen, this, I'm sure. It is It is a little off off the beaten path for, for sure, but I'm just like interested in seeing what different combinations of, of these guys could yeah. do out there. 
No, I think that's a good one. And and you never know what's going to happen. So to have different pairings that work is only going to be beneficial to the team in the long run. Um, I think for me, I'm just like not convinced about Robert Hank. So maybe that's just my own biases that's in my way or or not. But, you know, he just still makes me a little nervous. Oh, I get that for sure. I just think his confidence definitely improved over the course of this season and I think Ghost when he filled in was looking pretty good too so I I would like to see sort of peak Ghost and peak Haig together and see what they could they could do all right given there's so much uncertainty about if or how the the season could or will come back like what do you think about the fairness factor of teams getting injured players back that wouldn't have been there otherwise. And like, do they need to account for those things and how they structure any playoff scenario? I actually think it's, I think it's completely fair. The fact that it's all 31 teams that are on hold and not just like a certain few, or it's not just like one specific team that's able to get healthy players back. Like it's every single team. And I mean, whether it's known to the media and to the fans or not, there's pe- there's players on teams that are injured. And so this break will do them good. Um, so I don't think it's unfair at all. And I, I don't think that it's... I think if you try to account for that and try to, like, say, well, like, oh, because... I don't know, like, say that the Oilers, like, oh, because McDavid's, like, healthy now, you don't get to be the first seed of the Pacific. You have to go down and play, like, whatever. I don't think that's fair. If the season starts up and it ends up being, like, they go straight into the playoffs and that's, like, how the teams are structured now or how they start the playoffs, then that's fair. That's how they were before the season ended and that's how they start back up. Um, If they try to adjust anything, that's where I think that's unfair. Um, so yeah, overall, I don't see a problem with it. Um, you know, when you go, to, when you go into the playoffs, you're going to have to play a team regardless. Um, if some, if players are healthier, if players are injured. So I, it doesn't really matter in my opinion that everyone's healthy. What about you? I agree with you. I think that's a, a good way to look at it. And, you know, I think that, there's definitely going to be some sort of asterisk to this season, no matter what happens and how they determine things, because like we'll never know what will have been if things had progressed as normal. But yeah. at the same time, I think that, you know, you have to deal with what you have. And and you're right that it's the same for everybody. So. Yeah. So they'll do it in the the most fair way they can come up with, except for it'll screw one or two teams over who will be forever angry about it. And that's just the way these <laughs> things work. Yeah, you know? exactly, exactly. Yeah, it can't be perfect for everybody, but they'll do the best they can. Yeah. And from everything that I've been seeing from, like, you know, like reporters who are, like, constantly talks with the NHL, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make it fair for everyone. They're not trying to give certain teams advantages and others disadvantages. They're really trying to make it as fair to everybody um, as possible. Because, like, who would have known this would have happened? Like, you, <laughs> there's no way there's, like, a, a planned little, like, backup plan that the NHL has just in case something like this happens. 
so moving on to some more fun questions. If you could spend one full day with Gritty, what would you do? This is a really good question. I think I would go to like all my favorite places in Philly. Like just like take like kind of like be a tourist and take pictures with Gritty because I feel like that'd be really good Instagram content. Um, So yeah, I would just like go like, you know, to the art museum. I would go to that like um, tavern place that's in Philly that has like vegan cheesesteaks. I know I'm like probably the only person that eats vegan cheesesteaks because they don't eat meat. But it's really good, one. And they have this, like, big side of... They have this big, like, mural of Gritty outside. And Gritty took a picture in front of it before. Um, and I would want to take a picture, obviously, with Gritty in front of the sign. So I just, like, go to all the fun places. And I was, like, I'd go to, like, my grandma's house. And, like, just be, like, really, like, fun and take cool, like, Instagrammy pictures, like, all day. I think I think Gritty would like that, too. Gritty seems like the type of person that's all about the content. <laughs> Definitely. Especially <laughs> these days. Oh, yeah. Yes. That's a that's a really good one. I'm now thinking that it would also be super fun to take Gritty all around New York and just kind of oh, invade yeah. New York and have Gritty like taunt uh Rangers and Islanders locations and <laughs> you know, just like do a big thing in front of Madison Square Garden and you know, like New York landmarks that are associated with New York sports and stuff. Like go to Yankee Stadium and oh, just, like, you know, yeah. all that stuff. It would be so much fun, I think, to do that. That would be. Just avoid Times Square because I feel like people would stop and like, I mean, obviously, if you walk around with Gritty, people would stop and take pictures. But Times Square, I think it would be really bad because people would probably think Gritty's like those like people that you could just take pictures Oh, my God, with. yes. <laughs> Uh, definitely. So the Flyers do a lot of really good work in the community. And so is there any one of them in particular that's your favorite that they do? Oh, gosh, that's a good one. There is a ton. There is an absolute ton. But I think my favorite thing is when they do that, like, like Flyers Day and they, like, ask people to tweet them stuff and they go and like run around the city and do whatever they ask. Uh, I think that's really cool. I don't think like a team does that. And I think that's just like a really fun way to interact with like the younger generation um, of Flyers fans. Cause obviously you have your old time Flyers fans that are just dedicated regardless. But I think this is, that's a cool way to like reach out to like younger fans and, um, It's just like, cool. I love that too. And I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but I'm not 100%. So I'll mention it again. But they actually did something for me on one of those days. And um, they brought my mom flowers. Oh, see? (laughs) Because it was her birthday. That's so cool. And it's like stuff like that. Like it doesn't have to be like, you know, side jerseys or like, tickets to this it's just like fun thoughtful stuff like whatever you ask it's so nice yeah i I loved that and so did my mom so that was uh pretty cool and it's cool because it's like you kind of like not paint her back but your mom is like one of the main reasons why you are a flyers fan so that was really sweet yeah and i think my favorite would be snyder hockey oh yeah yeah 
just because it reaches so many people and they bring like playing hockey to so many communities and, you know, encourage minority participation in hockey and get, you know, the players involved. And there's just so much reach that that program has. And not only on the ice, but off the ice, they have tutoring programs and educational support and mentorship. And it's just such a holistic approach to to youth sports that doesn't exist like that in many places. And I just appreciate everything that, that they do. Absolutely. 100%. I agree. And also like the kids are talented. I went to one of their like cider hockey versus like alumni games. And those kids were good. They were like giving it to ex like retired NHL players. So I love that. I do too. All right, so that wraps it up for our mailbag this week. We will finish up with our Flyers fun thing of the day. And this one, it's not, it's a heartwarming thing. I wouldn't necessarily call it a fun thing. (laughs) But uh, Cal O'Reilly on The Phantoms uh, did an interview with a local news in Lehigh Valley and talked pretty openly um, with his wife, Tara, uh, about their struggles to have kids. And, you know, it's a, a topic that is deeply personal and sometimes hard for people to talk about, but they suffered, you know, a, a, a lot of miscarriages in trying to have kids and they finally were able to... Um, have a baby through a surrogacy program and then at the same time a few months later found out she was pregnant again and so far so good with this pregnancy so they have you know a very small baby right now and Tara's seven months pregnant so they're gonna have two little babies in the house at the same time which is a little nuts but it's just something that's I'm so happy for them yeah and that, you know, for them to share this story is so generous of them, given that, you know, a lot of families struggle with this. Absolutely. I love stories like this, though, where, like, you know, they get they have a baby one way and then they find out they're pregnant again. Like, I just love that. I think that's so the world works in mysterious ways, for sure. And I just love that. It's such a heartwarming story. And hopefully everyone stays safe and uh, gets through the pregnancy. Indeed. So that wraps it up for today's show. We will be back again tomorrow where we will be talking a little bit more about that 2009-2010 season. As a reminder, we want to hear from you. Send in your questions via Twitter at LockedOnFlyers or by email to lockedonflyers at gmail.com. I'm Danielle, and you can find me on Twitter at Danielle underscore Nick. That's Danielle underscore N-I-C-C. And I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. Now tune in to the most recent episode of Locked On NHL. Have a great day.